Thank you again very much for the privilege of being with you. It's been a great blessing to my family and to me, and I'm sure we will have more times of rejoicing and being together in worship in the future. The scripture this evening is taken from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians is one of Paul's prison letters. Another one of Paul's prison lessons is what? One where you would think he would be very depressed because he's in prison. But instead, this is the letter of joy. What letter is that? Philippians, right. Philippians. The letter of joy was also written in prison. Now in Colossians we have a picture of the glories of Jesus, the cosmic Christ. Let us hear Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope, faith, love, and hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything 
he might have the preeminence. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, become a minister. May God bless to our hearts this reading of his holy, inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. The cosmic Christ, let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are humbled that you would reveal yourself to us in your humility and in your glory. We cannot conceive of either. We cannot conceive that the Son of God in all his glory should be humbled to be brought not only to become a human being, but a lowly human being, a servant, a slave, and not only to become a slave, to be obedient as a slave, and not only obedient, to be obedient unto death, and not only unto death, but unto the death of crucifixion with all its shame. Therefore, we cannot conceive or consider or grasp the great humility that you have manifested coming from the glories of heaven to the humiliations of the cross. And we cannot conceive of your glory, O Heavenly Father. It is fitting that you have exalted Jesus and given him a name above all other names, whether it be kings or sovereigns or governors or potentates, there is one name that has outlasted them all, one that deserves all praise throughout all eternity, and that is the name Jesus. You have lifted him up and given him a name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. We bow the knee now, Others shall bow the knee unwillingly, but truly in the future. We thank you that you have brought us to this point of breaking us now in all our pride so that we can humbly bow before you and acknowledge you to be Lord. And you have exalted this name, Jesus, that every knee should bow and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We glorify you, O Father, that you have exalted your Son as you should have, that you have given him this glorious name that people have hated, people have tried to destroy but cannot. And thank you, O Lord Jesus, that the gates of hell have not been able to prevail against your kingdom, that it is an eternal kingdom, and that you have manifested yourself as King of kings, Lord of lords. Help us to humble ourselves, not just in outer form, but in the deepest recesses of our hearts, 
let us humble ourselves before you, our Lord of Lords. For we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. One of the amazing things about Jesus Christ is that he has humbled himself to the point of being able or subject to be described and defined by the limitations of human language. Human language is a wonderful thing. It is a gift that only human beings have. To be able to say a word that can change the world, can affect all sorts of things. Words are absolutely amazing. There's a way in which the fact that we can speak is as great a reflection of our being like God as anything else. Because we know from Scripture, in the beginning was the Word. The, the capacity to conceive and understand reality and define what that reality is. Words are absolutely amazing. And Jesus has humbled himself so that human words are to define him. And in this chapter in Colossians, we have a description of the cosmic Christ who sums up, who climaxes all things in himself in the form of words. And this evening we're going to look at little words. This is what you might call a sermon in little words. Because it's the little words, the prepositions that are used in this chapter that surround the person of Jesus to try to help us comprehend who he is in all his glory. Seven little words, little prepositions over by, for, before, in, through, and to. Seven prepositions. Let's look at these prepositions and see how they define and reveal to us something of the glory of Jesus as we try to comprehend who he is. Looking first at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, and the preposition that I'm going to use here, is over all creation. Now, this, I have to make a little apology here. You know, apologies for, for Christianity are, are not bad. It's apologetics is a defense of Christianity. And every now and then, Christianity has to rise to the occasion and not apologize, but make an apologetic, a defense of what Christianity is all about. This passage says that Jesus is the exact replica, the exact replica of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, the NIV says the firstborn of creation, and that is correct. The NIV says over all creation, and that in this case is a more accurate representation of the intention of this passage of Scripture. 
Now, this is our little bit of aside in apologetic. One of the earliest heresies in the New Testament days was the heresy of the Arians. And they went to Colossians 1.15 and they said, Ain hadi padi uk ain. Something almost like that in Greek. Ain hadi padi uk ain. That is, ha ha, there was a time when the sun was not. That was their little theme, their little statement that they rehearsed over and over again. Ain hadi padi uk ain. There was a time when the sun was not. There was a time when the sun was not. And they based that on Colossians 1.15. He was the firstborn, they say, of all creation. So if he was the firstborn of all creation, then he must not have been eternal. There was a time when the sun was not, they said. Sounds almost convincing, doesn't it? And that's the case that they made. Now, there was a man who stood against the Arians, and his name was Athanasius. And there is an old saying, Athanasius against the world. And this young man who was brought to the councils of a church by his presiding bishop was named Athanasius. He later became bishop himself. And bishop of, of uh, that town in in Egypt that I can't remember on the on the coast Alexander. Of Alexandria. Alexandria, right. And he was Bishop of Alexandria, but for approximately fifty years, forty if not fifty years, he fought this statement of the Arians. There was a time when the sun was not, and therefore he was not eternal. Therefore he was a created being and not a a true eternal son of God. And they based it on Colossians 1.15. He was the firstborn of all creation. Now, Athanasius, in his defense of Christianity, said, when you look at a passage like this, you must look at the totality of the teaching of Scripture. And then you look at the one particular verse in the concept in the context of the totality of Scripture, which is simply good exegetical principle. That means you interpret the little in the context of the whole. You don't take one passage of Scripture, one phrase of Scripture, and blow it out of proportions. And so he looked at all the many other passages of Scripture that describe Jesus as the eternal Word of God. In the beginning, says John 1.1, was the Word. And the Word was made God, or, or the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him there was not anything that was not made. And as a matter of fact, if you read a little bit further in this very passage, as we shall see, all things were made by him. Now we have a modern heresy that is repeating the same era of the Arians. Anyone know what that modern heresy is? Someone has come knocking at your door? Hmm? The Jehovah's Witnesses, right. They are the modern day Arians. And they insist on the fact that Jesus is not the eternal Son of God. And when it gets to Colossians where it says all things were created by him 
as we read in verse 16, all things were created by him. They have inserted a little word there. And if you read the Jehovah's Witness Bible, it's in italics. They're at least that honest because they say this, this, by putting it in italics, that means they admit that it really isn't in the original text of scripture. And they put in a word here, all other things were made by him. Very tricky, right? Very tricky. Satan likes to come right to the edge of truth, right to the edge of truth. And that's what the, the Arians did, and that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses do today. That word other is not there. It's all things, Colossians 1.16. All things were created by him, as we shall see. Now, going back to this he is the firstborn over all creation. You know, Africans don't have, modern Africans at least, Africans south of the Sahara, they don't have any trouble with this phrase. He is the firstborn of all creation. Because in African culture, the firstborn is the firstborn. That doesn't, isn't referring primarily or only to the fact that he was the initial child that was born in a family but that he is the prominent one. He is the preeminent one. The firstborn is the one that inherits the whole of the possessions of the family. The firstborn is the one that is responsible for the family. If the father and the mother should die, the firstborn is responsible to care for all the other children. Everything hinges on the firstborn. So firstborn can mean and does mean not just priority in order of birth, but firstborn in priority of position. Priority of position. And you interpret this passage in the context of the rest of Scripture, and you know it's not saying that there was a time when the sun was not, ain't how they body you ain't, as the Aaron's would say. No. That's not what this passage is saying. It's saying he was the firstborn over all creation. And that's why in this case, the NIV is really a better representation of the intention of the text here and makes it plain that it's not saying that there was a time when Jesus was not. We know that he is the eternal son of God. He is the firstborn in the sense of position of priority over all creation. Now think of that, over all creation. The Son of God is over all creation. Now the alternative, instead of having an eternal Son of God, what have you had? You do not have the Trinity. You do not have the eternal Father, eternal Son, eternal Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we think of the Trinity as something that is a very vague concept and something that we really have trouble grasping and understanding, and that is true. It's a very powerful, large doctrine, a truth that we cannot fully comprehend, that three could be one in perfection. That's, you know, but if God, if you could understand everything about God, then he, you would be God and he would not be God. There are aspects of God that are never to be comprehended completely by human beings. But just think of the consequences if God were not a trinity. 
That's what you see in the Muslim faith. If God were only one and not Trinity, what have you got? You have legalism. You have law. You have law and law. You must abide by the law. But if you have the eternal Trinity, you have love. You have the Father loving the Son and the Son loving the Father. All love among human beings comes out of the Trinity. If there were no Trinity, there would be no love because it is in the framework of God's perfection of love, as the scripture says. Scripture never says God is justice. God is just, but not God is justice. But the scripture does say God is love. And we can comprehend the love of God for us because of the Trinity. So when this scripture says, he, that is Jesus the Son, is the firstborn over all creation. He has the priority as the appointed head of all things by the Father. And we can then rejoice in the fact that Jesus is over all things. There is nothing in this world that is not under the supreme authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created being that will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Because he has been appointed by the Father to be over all things. Now, secondly, the second little preposition that we have is in verse 16, where it says, For by him all things were created, whether visible or invisible. As I've already pointed out, this is where the, the Jehovah's Witnesses put in that little, with a little carrot here, that word, all other things, because they want to say Jesus was created, and then he created all other things. But no, that's not what the Bible says. It says, all things were created by him, whether visible or invisible. Stars, planets, animals, fish, birds, creeping things, human beings, not evolved. Not evolved. Created. All things were created by him. He made all things by him. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made, were created by him. And there is nothing that exists that was not made by him. Now, what are the implications of that for us? Well, things invisible, Satan and his power, demons, yes. They were created by Jesus. Now there is a mystery that we cannot fully understand. The mystery of evil is one of those things that we will never fully understand. Why and how evil came into this world, we do not know. We, we can 
test a little scripture and perhaps deduce that Satan was an angel of light who was lifted up in pride and fell then from heaven and brought his host with him. We can peer around the corner of the mystery of the origins of evil, but I do not know. But I know that God knows, and I rest my case with him. There I am satisfied not to have an answer to all things, but to know that all things were created by him. Now, what does that mean? That means all things are therefore subject to him. All things are therefore accountable to him. All things will therefore give account to him. And the wicked of this world, and there are wicked in this world, there are people in this world that are of the seed of Satan. You are of your father the devil, says Jesus, and the works of your father you will do. Who are these mass murderers? Who are these people that are killing Christians? Just a couple of weeks ago, what was it, on Palm Sunday, over 40 Christians were killed in worship in Egypt. Your brothers and sisters in that ancient church of Egypt were brutally murdered in their worship. That's the devil. But he is, he is under God's control and all his subjects shall give account one day. So we can rejoice in the fact that by him all things were created. By, just a tiny little word in English language, by, B-Y, and that tells us a lot. Thirdly, the word preposition for, again, verse 16, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. There's that little preposition, for. Everything in this world has been made for Jesus Christ. And ultimately, everything in this world will serve Jesus Christ. The sun serves Jesus. The moon and the stars. The rain, the crops, the maize. For her use, for his use, and for his glory. You are not your own. You are not your own. You were made for Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you rather rejoice in the fact that you were made for Jesus than to say, I'm made for what pleasures I can find in this world? I'm made for what successes I can make in this world? I'm made for what I can accomplish in this world? No. I'm made for Jesus. And what Jesus has made of me, he will enable me to fulfill. Young people, as you look at your life as it's going to begin to unfold for you, be confident of this fact. You were made for Jesus. And exactly who you are, when you were born, understand this. You know, fathers and mothers are, are very important to children. They, they, they can communicate a sense of purpose a sense of reason for life. And one of the main, the main thing that needs to be communicated to young people, to children, is that they were made for Jesus. And if they are the disciples of Jesus, 
their life will unfold to them in such amazing ways that they cannot possibly comprehend or anticipate. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being's ransomed powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. Let my hands perform his bidding. Let my feet run in his ways. Let my eyes see Jesus only. Let my lips speak forth his praise. Over, by, for. And then verse 17, preposition number four, before. Look at verse 17. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Verse 18, the last phrase, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. In human parades, do you ever have parades in this town? Do you ever have your mayor or someone like that in the parade? Where does the mayor come in, first or last in the parade? You don't know? Are they all, only, I've always seen it's the most important one that comes in last. He's the last one. He's the most important one in a parade. There was an occasion, again, I pardon for, for referring to American history, but there was a, an historical moment in which Harry S. Truman, the President of the United States, was flying, I think this was right after World War II, somewhere, and General Douglas MacArthur, who had been the, the, one, the commander of the forces in the Philippines, was in a separate plane. And they were supposed to land in the same airport out in somewhere on an island. And Air Force Number 1 that had Harry S. Truman, the president, in it, radios to the other plane and says, Land your airplane. Well, Douglas MacArthur says, don't land the airplane. And so they begin to circle the airport like this. And Air Force number one bearing the president says, land your airplane. And Douglas MacArthur says, don't land your airplane. And finally, the president's airplane started running out of gas. And the president had to land first, and then Douglas MacArthur landed, and of course the one who lands last is the most important one and gets all the praise. Well, that wasn't a very nice thing to do on the part of General Douglas MacArthur, and in the end, Douglas MacArthur was fired from being the head of the Army of the USA by Harry S. Truman. Well, Jesus did not come into this world until the fullness of time. He was the last prophet. He was the last priest. He was the last king because he was the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. He is before all things. You must see Jesus as the one that is before all things. Number five in verse 17, the last part of verse 17, and in him all things hold together. 
the little preposition in. In him, all things hold together. This is what is called God's divine providence, the way by which he sustains the whole of the world. This building, how long has this building been standing here? 1629, 400, 500 years, something like that. What, what, what's this building made of? Well, I see some stones on the bottom, some plaster on the walls, I see some frames for windows, I see some beams on top, I see some roof. All, all of this is here, but we know, don't we? We know today that all of this is in motion that they're little molecules and atoms and they're moving like this. And it looks like it's pretty stable and it's been here for four or five hundred years, but what if things just went crazy and all of these molecules and atoms started separating from one another? This building would just collapse. What holds it together? By him, all, or in him, all things hold together. Do you realize that Jesus Christ, the cosmic Christ, holds the world together? The moon that circles the earth, the earth that circles the sun, if it were not for Jesus Christ's active involvement, the moon would go spinning out, the earth would go spinning out or in toward the sun and be burned up in, a, in an instant. Jesus is holding this world together. And look at your human body. What, what holds this skin outside? All the, the nerves and the veins and the bones and the corpuscles and everything else. And inside you've got something like this. It's that heart, that beating. In him, all things hold together. Your heart keeps beating because Jesus Christ is holding it together. And then one day it will stop. And that is the day that Jesus has appointed that you will die. It is appointed unto all men once to die. And Jesus is the one who is appointed that day. And Jesus is the one who will see that that day comes to pass. In him, all things hold together. We were recently at some funerals. Two young husbands, fathers of young children. One infant child just about to be born died in the mother's womb before it was born. An older woman, 82 years of age. All different contexts and circumstances. Jesus is the source of life. And that's why you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about your life. Your life will be as long as God through Jesus intends it to be. Because in him, and you can trust him, all things hold together. Number six, verse 20. The last part of verse 20. By making peace, through his blood shed on the cross. The little word through. Through his blood. 
making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Without the blood of Jesus, without his incarnation, coming in human flesh, he was made of, he was born to die. Were you born to die? That's not your purpose. That's a digression from what you expect of life as God has created. But Jesus was born to die and to rise again from the dead. From the day of his birth, the prophecy was, a sword shall pierce your heart, speaking to Mary, because he was born to die. Because through his death, peace is made. Making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Without Jesus, you're at war. And people are at war when they're without Jesus. Where did the First World War come from? Because people were living without Jesus. Where did First World, Second World War, just a continuation of First World War, where did it come from? It came from people because they were without the peace that the blood of Jesus can make. Without the blood of Jesus, you are at war with yourself. That which I would do, I do not do. And that which I would not do, that I do. You are at war with yourself. You are at war in your family. How terrible it is when families are torn up by their conflict with one another. War with your neighbor. We had a neighbor that came over and he was so upset because our gate slammed. Our back door slammed, and it, he said it shook the foundations of my house. Well, they didn't shake the foundations of his house, but that's how upset he was. So I had to get out and do some sanding and do whatever I could to calm the door so it didn't make any noise when the boys went in and out so many times every day. The only way that war is going to end is through his blood shed on the cross. Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with your neighbors? Peace with yourself? So far as in you is, live at peace with all men because of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That blood has taken away our alienation from God and it has made possible our reconciliation with all men. Over, by, for, before, in, through, and finally, to, verse 20, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, to reconcile to himself all things. Ultimately, all things must be reconciled to him. He is not only the lamb upon the throne, he is the lion upon the throne. The wrath of the Lamb will consume all people who are not reconciled to him. So, little words. Something of the humility of Jesus to subject his glory to little human words. Over Christ is the firstborn. Over all things. He has the position of priority. By him all things were created. For all things were created for him. 
before. He is before all things, having the preeminence. In, in him, all things hold together. Through him, all things are reconciled through his blood shed on the cross. And two, all things must be reconciled to him. May God give us the grace and may we exercise the grace to absorb the wonders of the cosmic Christ who consummates all things in himself. It is time that we stop thinking of our Christianity as, as a little sect. Even though you're a few people in a very large metropolitan area, you are the heart of God. You are where God's work is. And you should never minimize the significance of who you are as those who are in relationship to Jesus Christ who is the cosmic Christ, who consummates all things in himself. Let us pray. Here we are, Lord Jesus Christ, little small people. We are small people. We are little people. But we are attached to the Great One, the Great Son of God, the Savior of sinners the creator of all things, the consummator of all things, the one who will return one day soon and bring all things to their consummate end. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for sustaining us, sustaining our lives up to this point. Thank you for the peace that we have. Thank you for the purpose that is in our life because we are related to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the expectation of the future that we have because we're one in Jesus. Help us in our faith and in our understanding to have the wisdom to know Jesus Christ in all his glory that we may worship him, may serve him, and may live in him. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.